should brag in the Lord. The gospel lesson this morning from, is from the book of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Could you please rise for the reading of the gospel? The Passover of Jews was near, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people sell, selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Meanwhile, a whip of cords, making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple with the sheep and cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews said, then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to a time of children's message this morning, I was thinking a little bit about the things that are frustrating. I've been doing a number of funerals recently, and I did a funeral for an older woman. She was in her late 90s, and the family was sharing with me something about her that I related to. Hang with me for just a moment. See if this ever frustrates you. They were sharing with me that she had a red firebird well into her late 80s, and she got frustrated when people were irresponsibly going the speed limit because they were going too slow for her. I thought... Yeah, I've been frustrated about that because I want to go a little faster than them, too. I said, we could get along real well, <laughs> me and this lady. You ever been frustrated about the way people drive? Yeah, I was going to get along real well with this lady, I thought. What else frustrates you? Rude people. Yeah, okay. Yeah, long lines. You know, this is like the number one thing that frustrates people when they do these surveys is driving and they call it the queue. Long queues. What else? Jeremy, what frustrates you? When people call you names. Yeah, rude people. People who call names. Absolutely. For sure. These are frustrating things. We're going to talk in a little bit about anger. And there's a difference between that which frustrates us and anger that can be transformed into seeking justice. Frustration is that thing that you vent off. Like my, my older woman who uh, really didn't like it when people were going the speed limit because she had a place to get to in her red fire bird. <laughs> 
there's not specifically a justice issue there. But boy, did she tell her kids about it. She vented it off a little bit. But there are some justice issues in this world that need some transformation. The gospel that Jenny just read for us. Jesus sought justice. And justice comes sometimes out of our anger. Sometimes we have a good reason to be angry about something and seek justice. Let's pray together as we ask God to show us the difference between frustration that just needs a vent and anger that needs some transformation into justice. Would you pray with me? Dear God, hear our frustrations, transform our anger into justice as we serve you. Amen. Um, when Marty had asked uh, Adele and I to come back and sing the song over the summer, we were very excited about that. Uh, Dave had opened it up uh, when it was coming time for Choir Sunday back in June, you know, for anybody to sing, and I thought, hmm, Adele and I love this song. This is like our favorite praise song, so we wanted to share this with you again. This is Raise a Hallelujah. If you know it, if you want to sing along, please feel free. If you want to clap your hands, go for it. <clears throat> I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah.
I do need new batteries. I'm red. It's ironic that our movie is turning red. Now I've turned green. We'll still stick with the same movie, though. Each week we've looked at uh, where we can find the good news, the gospel tucked into each of these movies. We started out with Encanto, 
and heard that surface pressure when the surface pressure of life is mounting, we found the grace of God, which is a free gift, offered to each and every one of us without price. Last week, we skipped down the yellow brick road with Dorothy and the lion and the tin man and the scarecrow as we watched The Wizard of Oz. And we jumped back in time to remember there is no place like home in God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the here and now, as well as the then and there. This week, we turn to a recent release. If you haven't caught it yet, it just came out in March. That would be why. It's a remarkable movie released from Pixar, that animation studio, called Turning Red. I want to introduce you, <coughs> excuse me, to the main character, Maylin Lee. She's a young Chinese-Canadian teenager looking for some independence from her parents, as often kids are about that age, and she's not quite sure how to get it. Let me introduce you to her first. I turned 13, I've been doing my own thing, making my own moves, 24-7, 365. I wear what I want, say what I want, and I will not hesitate to do a spontaneous cartwheel if I feel so moved. <laughs> oh, crap! Not to brag, but being 13 means I'm officially a grown-up, at least according to the Toronto Transit Commission. Good for you. So she's pretty much an ordinary 13-year-old kid trying to figure out life. We all did something like this, right? With one exception. Due to a hereditary curse, when she gets emotionally excited, the way that teenagers sometimes do, she turns into a red panda. There's got to be something, right, to hook into the animation piece. You did hear me correctly. When she gets mad or overwhelmed by extreme cuteness, the way that you sometimes do when you're that age, she turns into a red panda. When she gets frustrated, when she gets full of excitement, Maylin becomes a red panda. It happens very suddenly, one morning. And while it has happened to all of the women in her family, she tries to hide it from her mother. So as a result, her mom thinks a very different transition has happened in her life. The kind that happens to all girls at some point. And her very well-intending mother tries to take good care of her. I'm going to show you a second clip. It's short. Let's take a look.
While we may not have transformed into furry animals before, none that I'm aware of, I do believe we've felt embarrassment before. We've known kind of the anger. Can you imagine if someone showed up in a place that you didn't want them to? And I'm sure that at least I have, maybe you have too, Anger has once or twice caused you to act rashly before. This week, one of the great theological giants passed on to glory, Frederick Beekner, at the generous age of 96. Presbyterian clergy person, I first encountered him in the stories that he wrote. And in his most recent obituary, he was described this way, as a border stalker. He was too literary for Christians, and he was too Christian for literary set, because his stories were honest, and they were inviting. They were biblical, but they always kind of had a twist about them. He described the gospel as a great fairy tale that happens to be true. It was a fairy tale with pain and danger, where goodness is pitted against evil and people are transformed, and in the end, characters are revealed for who they really are. One of his projects was to write a set of dictionaries that defined words and people of faith in relatable and appropriate ways. So he gives the definition for anger that I have mauled over in my mind for years. I want to share it with you. Of the seven deadly sins, anger is probably the most fun. To lick your wounds and to smack your lips over the grievances long past, to roll your tongue over the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor the last toothsome morsel, both pain you are given and pain you are giving back? In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that you are wolfing down yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. I've thought about that definition. I think it's one of the best for years. After the success of Jesus' first miracle at the wedding of Cana, Jesus travels with the disciples down to Capernaum and back up to Jerusalem. It's what Jenny read for us. And he finds that the market is all set up inside the temple. It's been set up like that 
for a very long time. It's not the first time that he's seen it. The vendors are with the animals for sacrifice. They're the lenders that would change out your foreign currency at the local money for a reasonable rate. It wasn't really reasonable. And changing water into wine wasn't really just for throwing a better party. You remember this, right? It was an act of transformation, breaking down boundaries, a different way of seeing the world. It wasn't an accident that Jesus is coming from this first miracle in order to come to the one we heard today. Jesus is interested in addressing injustices in the impurity system between the pure and the impure, the righteous and the sinner, the whole and the not whole, the male and the female, the rich and the poor, the Jew and the Gentile. So here we have the cattle and the sheep and the doves, the proper animals for sacrifice that are sold at the rate that you can pay. Poor people could hardly afford to give a whole tenth of their crop away to sell their grain when they were judged to be impure. The economic implications are strong. And these money changers, you know, the ones who end up with their coins everywhere, are a part of this whole system because the Roman coins are impure and they can't be used for this sacrifice. The zeal of the Lord comes upon Jesus with this public demonstration for change. This isn't quite the same thing as frustration, is it? Often, Steve and I walk in the evenings, and I'm pretty sure we solve all of the world's problems, or at least vent our own while we're walking around our neighborhood. As temperatures drop and the humidity releases its grip on the heat, the breeze seems like a gift. And as people who have settled into the rhythm of life we watch the activities of our neighbors. I'm sure you all do this too. Kind of look around your neighborhood. And we've had fascination. And we have curiosity. And we kind of tell stories to each other. They may or may not be grounded in reality. Let me tell you this. And so about one house, we've been watching appliances ripped out and placed on the porch. We've been watching flooring accumulated by the garage. And an overgrown yard, all of a sudden, is nicely manicured. Cars arrive in the evening, and then they don't stay. We've developed this narrative that the house has been purchased, y'all know where I'm going, right, to be renovated, and then sold at a higher price. We've speculated that it is a flipping house, okay? So the first time Steve said it to me, he said it was a flipping house. I paused. I hope you hear it. 
outside of this house, there's a tree, long past its prime, but it still stands erect even though it's a dead tree. And it comes bearing a mark with an ominous X that one day the tree will be removed. And on one particular evening when I felt short on listening, I'm sure this happens to nobody else, but one particular evening when I was very short on listening, I suggested to Steve that he could talk to the tree and vent his frustration a little bit. He says to me, I'll talk to the flipping tree because it was in front of the flipping house. You all know where I'm going here a little bit. So as we rounded the bend, he begins to address the tree. You see, like Malin, there are plenty of times in our lives when we're frustrated. And even in anger, we need something to release. I want to invite you to reflect, to use these three questions about the times we might also have the experience, maybe you never have the experience we do, but perhaps to consider what to do with these feelings. Do you need a tea whistle or a fire hose? A tea whistle's job is to blow hot air. It's vitally important to make that noise, right? For a short amount of time, without which you would never know that the hot water is ready. There are times when the frustration must be vented. There are healthy ways to do so. A fire hose, on the other hand, is focused on putting out the fire. Sometimes our anger addresses important injustices. Jesus flipping the tables in the court of the temple, a just economic discrepancies of the poor and underprivileged, just like a fire hose addresses the important fire before it. Number two, who does your anger help? If your frustration and your anger serve you, sometimes mine does, and bring about what you've been hoping for all along, then perhaps that's the best time to release that frustration. If your anger and what you're upset about serves others, then maybe that's the time to address the injustice. Number three, who gets the credit? If you've been raging angry about something and you'll get an awful lot of backpats and credit for helping, consider why you're doing it. If you may not get noticed and God will get the credit, your heart may yet be in the right place. You know, Malin ultimately decides that becoming a red panda is not a problem after all. There's good that comes out of the different part of her personality. And the more, most important value is becoming fully herself. In the Gospel of John, the removal of boundaries, the flipping of the table, and the expression of that anger brings justice 
at the beginning of the gospel, the obstacles are removed, and Jesus invites people to get nearer to the heart of God. For each of us, we get annoyed, we get frustrated, we get irritated, we get angry, probably every day. Some experts even say multiple times a day. The question is, what do you do with it? I want to invite you this week to consider, when do you need to release your frustration like a tea kettle? And when are you being called to address the injustices in our larger world? This, my friends, is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.